What's up, what's up, what's up, what's up, what's up? Party fucking people. I finally have a quiet enough home and I am not distracted enough to actually sit down and record um, my first podcast for It's Mauve in a really, 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 really long time. It's been... It's been about a year almost, like exactly, I would say, uh, give or take. I haven't recorded a podcast on here in a minute because I've been working with my two homies, um, Jew and Clips, over on this podcast is canceled, which I would love for you guys to check out. But yeah, I've just been kind of trying to bounce back from COVID, uh, trying to get my mind right. I've been really working on my mental health. I've really been working on how I relate to other people and how I conduct myself in interpersonal relationships. Um, I would say that my spirituality is ever-changing and ever-evolving, but recently this year, definitely a lot of Plutonian influence where there's a lot of transformation, a lot of things being letting, letting, letting go so I can receive more. And I would say, I would, to be honest with you, the most Plutonian things that have been happening to me have been around work and school, which is odd because I would say last year and the year before that. Well, because last year, pre-COVID, like I found a job that I loved. I was doing super well in school. I wasn't there. There just weren't many questions around school and work. And it was so weird to me because. I know Saturn and Jupiter transited my 10th house last year. And I, to be honest with you, what I was just feeling was the pause being put on school and me not being able to go to school and see my friends and that being excruciatingly painful for me, not getting that contact, the academic stimulation that I love. And then I remember not being able to go to work. But other than that, there weren't as many questions and there weren't as many changes in the works. Wheels weren't moving, so to speak. And now they are, and those two things are transiting another house of mine, which I just think is interesting. I really, to be honest with y'all, I've been studying astrology on my own autodactively since I was about 15 or 16. And you get to a point where you're studying things on your own. You're not studying things with a professional where you meet a wall, you, you meet a knowledge wall. And I think that's why the classical forms of training and certifying people are so important. And that's not to say the school is the superior, but I just think organized learning is just better for me than autodactive learning, especially when you're getting into stuff that is esoteric or social science-y. Because I think when you're thinking about math and you're thinking about more abstract things, like even I would say even if you're a painter or any type of graphic designer, a lot of times you can teach yourself those things being a mechanic. You can teach yourself those things because... The mechanics, no pun intended, of those things is not really changing. It's different parts that are maybe moving around. Um, but I think when you start to learn about people, places, and things, as they are ever-changing and ever-moving around, and there's no real answer for a lot of the problems that I, that we have as humans psychologically, and that's what Western astrology represents. Western astrology represents psychological, psych, psychological aspects of us, and Eastern astrology represents spiritual karmic aspects of us. And I just I've just reached a knowledge wall with astrology, so I really haven't been looking into it as much as that as much as I used to. And then two, the reasons why I've been looking into it recently aren't the most healthy. I think looking into predictive astrology is very dangerous 
Because one, a lot of times when you go on these horoscope and these astrology websites, they don't have your birth time. They don't have your birthday. They're really just kind of, um, they're not splitting up the deacons into the three deacons that come with every month. They're just kind of spitballing based on what they see with their astrology software. And this is where I think the learning kind of gets tricky because here you have someone like me who's been kind of studying this on their own for 10 years straight, no breaks. And then maybe you have uh, Martha or Keisha who did two or three astrology classes and now they call themselves an uh, astrology reader and they have their own website and they're great businesswomen. So they're getting their information out there, but it might not necessarily be the right information. But I'm not really even in the position to check them because I don't know what the right information is because once again, I'm not certified or classically trained to be an astrologist. I haven't met a guru or anyone like that who I trust to teach me shit. Um, but I said all that to say that my spirituality has been changing so much so that, or transforming so much so that I'm just not really interested in the same spiritual avenues that I used to be, the same spiritual channels. Um, I was heavy into tarot these past, I would say these past two or three years. And that's kind of, you know, going down just because it's predictive once again. And I just really want to check myself and I really want to observe that part of myself that feels like it needs to know the future. And I know that comes from a space of trauma. I know that comes from a space of being afraid of uncertainty. Um, it comes from a place of not feeling like the maybe the foundation that I'm laying is sturdy enough and I need to always be one step ahead. And I do think that a lot of my obsession with the future comes from me being an American and it comes from living in a white supremacist society where you, you never feel safe, no matter how much you've built yourself up. So you're constantly trying to be 10 steps ahead. Um, because I know in my household, I learned that white supremacists are always 10 steps ahead of you. So it's almost like, I, and, and we talked about this and the, the discord that I'm in. The damaging things that our black parents tell us about white supremacy and how it like shapes your whole framework in your mind and it shapes how you deal with other people. It shapes how you deal with how you interact with any living, breathing thing, any stationary thing. And I don't think it's like in our parents efforts to protect us from white supremacy and give us the tools to fight against it. They kind of put you in a state of constant fear and a state of constant um, insecurity. And I feel I know I'm undoing a lot of those things now. Um, and I think I've been kind of working on that, I would say, since I've been in high school and been conscious enough to form my own conclusions on racism, white supremacy, bigotry of any kind, xenophobia of any kind. Um, and now that I'm able to form those conclusions on my own, I find that a lot of the viewpoints that I've had on it have been have almost well, not even almost. We know that when when. Africans came off the ship, they gave us a Bible. And these were Yorugu. These were people who, um, not Yorugu, these were people who uh, were Yoruba practitioners, which is very similar to Christianity in certain aspects, but it's really closer related, I would say, to Hinduism in the sense that they have hundreds of gods. The gods' lineage is really... Um, played up. It's very dramatic. It's more focused on unifying and it's it's a reciprocal relationship between gods and people. It's not you worshiping a white person. So that's his own podcast. That's his own story. I'm almost positive we find we follow enough hoteps on social media to know enough about that. And if you don't, do your Googles. <laughs> but be careful. 
um, try to make sure I have an either you after it because it can get a little sticky out there when we start talking about racism coming from black folks too. Cause we, we like making up and living in this fantasy world where we were once gods. And it's like, I get it. It's a way to empower oppressed people, but it's like telling the 13% of our nation who lives, most of which live beneath the poverty line that they were once gods does not empower me. It upsets me because I'm wondering how the fuck did we fall for fall from grace and what happened? What had fucking happened? So I try to stay away from that type of rhetoric. But um, yeah, I would I would definitely advise anyone listening to this who wants to learn more about an African culture that is not super westernized, not super patriarchal, to look into Yoruba just because it's really fucking cool. It's a really dope way to explore connecting energetically with your ancestors um, it's a really, it's just a dope way to get into something that's a little bit more Eastern, but you still feel the safety of that, um, the ethnic, the, the ethnic centric, ethnic centric, it's ethnic centric. Yeah. It's ethnocentric ism. Okay. So you can still feel some of that blackness basically. Um, what else has been going on? I'm kind of just doing like a brief check-in. I'm, I'm so not used to talking about myself anymore. I remember when I first started podcasting, like, it was such a relief to just sit down and talk by myself. Um, but as of recently, because before I was doing my podcast with Jew, or I was doing the podcast with Jew and Clips, um, I was doing my, a podcast with one of my old homegirls. So I've just been in the groove of doing podcasts with other people. And doing podcasts is just so fun. It's just really fun, especially when you guys are talking about something that everyone's passionate about. And even when you're not, I just think it's really cool to work with your friends in that way. And I feel really, really blessed to have met Jew and Clips, who I work with extremely well. I feel like their temperament gets along well with mine because um, they're very laid back, easygoing men. And yeah, I I would say through my experience, because I've only worked with one other woman podcaster and and she was my friend at the time, I can't say if working with other women is easier or harder than working with men. What I can say is men's temperament, I feel like, fares better for certain disagreements about money because I don't think men take conversations about money personal. It don't it don't matter how wealthy a woman is, you start talking to her about money if she's not a business bitch. And everyone is not a business bitch. To be honest with you, I learned I was a business bitch Um through this process, I learned that I'm someone who doesn't mind having confrontation about business. I don't mind checking people about what they should or shouldn't be doing. I don't mind asking niggas where my money at. Like, I just don't have a lot of the hangups that I find um, some of my other black peers, specifically black women, have, a, have around talking finance with people they know. Because another thing I find is it's very rare that you'll meet Two random black strangers come into a room together and want to work together. We usually do not want to work with people we don't know or who we're not at least acquaintances with, which can either be to the detriment or to the uprise. I'm not sure because honestly, in all honesty, I don't know many black um, business owners who I would look at as a, as, a, as a success story because once you get behind the curtain, you're like, you're a horrible business person. You're just popular. So I'm just have to keep it a buck there. But... I just find that with the men, you can, 
I just, I, to be honest with you, I love, I love having women friends. I love having male friends, but as of right now, the tally zero one when it comes to working with men or women, I would, I would give men the one point and I would give women zero just because my experience, um, working with my, my home girl was so horrible towards the end for me. Like it just was not a good experience and it left a sour taste in my mouth. I really had to keep myself open-minded and conscious of the fact that she doesn't represent the whole of all of my friends who I could potentially work with. And and I had to recognize I could be someone who's good at working who's good at working with their friends. It's just this particular friend it just ain't going to rock. It's not rolling. Um and I'm glad that I explored working with my two homeboys um because it's been very rewarding. I was going to get on here and talk about how I haven't been on social media because I did an episode almost two years ago where I, t- I said it's it's called it's titled girl get off social media. Um, and it's I'm a fucking psychic. I'm going to say that right now. I don't give a fuck how weird I sound. I don't care what nobody got to say. I'm a psychic. I'm either a psychologist or a psychic or both. I think I'm both. And the great words of Gina and the <laughs> In the great words of Gina Linetti, psychologists are just psychics who are too, or psychologists are psychics who are too dumb. Yeah. Some along those lines. But yeah, fuck it. I'm both of them. But I just, I remember when I was doing that podcast, I was just seeing things. I was seeing trends on social media, specifically, I would say Instagram, that were just scary. I was just seeing trends on social media that were scary to me. And I think it's so crazy how a year after that, so the social dilemma comes out. And then now we're moving into this whole new social media landscape where regulations are coming down the pikes and the people are you know doing things like NFTs so people can start making money off of being in gifs that companies use on commercials like can you imagine creating a gif on vine fucking almost 10 years ago and target use your shit in the loop and has been for the past 10 years and you have not seen a dime i can't i i, I don't even want to think about it and then not to mention if it was embarrassing and it's something that you did as a child and you s- still are not making money off of it and you can't prosecute anyone because Twitter and Instagram and all these other social media platforms, Facebook is infamous for this as well, have taken your rights away from you once you hit I accept. Like, I really wish that Apple, you know, hear me now, listen, because they all listen and everything the fuck else. I really wish that y'all will find a way to um, ingrain or to program our phones with some type of lawyer software, something to where it can pull up what is said in these contracts and put it in layman's terms for us. Because I think it's so unfair how we, it's like, honestly, it, first of all, it should be illegal for them to write these long ass contracts when, when you download the apps. It should be illegal for, for, our, for our jobs to write these long ass contracts when we file our paperwork. You know the average person is not going to read that. And it's not because they're dumb or they don't care about their future. It's because they can't understand the jargon. They can't understand legalese. None of us can. I mean, I take a lot of political science courses and most of legalese is, um, legalese, a lot of it is what's the word I'm looking for? Philosophical talk is very high philosophical talk. So I can, 
I can kind of get a digest of what is being said in certain situations that pertain to what I've learned in my political science classes. And granted, I don't think I've taken, I haven't taken the critical thinking course or the, the second critical thinking course that I need to take to graduate. Um, so, and that's what a lot of that legalese is just critical thinking and philosophies, a lot of platonic thinking and stuff like that. But that takes, bro, that's why you have to take tests and shit and bar exams. Like this is not just something that everyday person should be signing. It's, it should be illegal that we have to sign our names on this shit that they know we're not going to read. I digress. Um, but I think I do want to have another conversation about social media and how me getting off of social media has positively impacted me and the the downsides and the negatives to it as well. Um, so I started doing, I did, when did I start my social media cleanse? I started my social media cleanse. It has to have been the first or second week of December. It was right when I got back from Tulum. So that was the second or third week of December. So it was sometime in December before Christmas. I started my social media cleanse. Um, and it was supposed to be a 75 day cleanse and it just never ended because it's been more, it's been longer than two months. I'm probably just now. Yeah. I probably just hit the 75 days. I would say like a week or two ago, if I'm thinking properly, I'm not good with counting days and months and stuff. I don't know what it is. Like I'm, I'm really good with eyeballing a whole bunch of shit. I am not good with eyeballing days and months because they all have different amount of days. Like February, every four years has 51 days. So, so it's just like, you feel me? But I think I just hit 75 days, probably like a week or two ago. And I just, I, I, I generally, I gen, I generally, and I genuinely have zero interest to be on Instagram or Twitter. I haven't been on Facebook in years since, you know, all my homies start dying from rehab. That's so sad. Like, I don't like logging into that Facebook account because I made it to keep in contact with them. And so I haven't been on Facebook, I would say, probably four or five years, even though I would like to get back on there because I think that part of your adulthood or that part of your psychology that just it's it's like nostalgia, but like on steroids. It's not like the nostalgia you get when you listen to a cute song or you listen, you're smoking weed and you, and you want, you know, some in and out like the last time you was in LA. Like it's the type of nostalgia that you kind of can't, um, fight away. And I think it's programmed in all human beings. Like once you start getting closer to 30, which I am, I turned 26 this year, you start getting closer to 30, you start getting closer to your seniors, your senior years. Like you want to see who's alive. You want to see what other people are doing. Like I'm thinking about motherfuckers in middle school who, to be quite honest with you, I, I didn't care about them. And there's like this sense of care. There's a sense of urgency to see what they're doing, to see if they're alive, to make sure that they're okay. Like, and I'm legit thinking about this. Like, I'm legit thinking those exact things when I'm thinking about people from middle school. And I'm thinking about, I haven't got that point in high school yet. And I think that's because I still remember high school really well. I think once the memories of middle school started to fade away, I would say like last year, like when my mom and my brother would be bringing up stuff and talking about stuff. And I'm like, I don't remember that. That's when I think that instinct to look backwards, that nostalgic instinct, um, or no, I'll say instinctual nostalgia. Ooh, that sounds sexy. But that instinctual nostalgia started to kick in where it's like, oh, no, like I, I need to be connected to these people. You know what I'm saying? I need to make sure because they were a part of my formative years. No matter how bad I feel like I got bullied, 
Um, everyone wasn't a bully. And to be honest with you, for the most for the most part, everyone I was in contact with was pretty nice. I think um socially it was it was an awkward time for me. I was in a, you know, PWI, so it was like ten black kids out of the whole middle school. It was just it was a very difficult time, I would say, socially, hormonally, mentally. That's when I first started to deal with mental health issues. And I just there's some instinct in me that just wants to be grounded in that experience and not forget about it. And I think it's I think it's a part of your brain, your brain starting to be conscious of the fact that it's getting older, if you feel what I'm saying. Um, And so for that reason, I've been thinking about getting back on Facebook, but I have two Facebook well, two or three, actually, Facebook accounts. Two of them are from high school. You know how when you in high school and even some grown people now, they got one Facebook for their friends, one for their family. Bruh. I don't give a fuck what my family think about me, and I haven't since middle school, so I ain't got to worry about that part. But And then I have one from when I was in treatment, and I don't even know which one I can like log back into. I'm thinking the one I've... Tr- recently, I've... Then when I say recently, I'm in within the past three or four years. I've logged into that one that I made when I got out of rehab the, the second or third time, you know, to be continued on that part of my life. But when I got out of treatment the second or third time, I think I was able to log into it without having to go through too many um, bells and whistles. But I don't know how much Facebook has changed. I don't know how much their verification process has changed. And quite fucking honestly, I would just like to start all over. But I already have so many Zara Shelton's. Well, I think one of my Facebook names is not that. And I just said my Facebook name. I don't care if y'all go look at me in high school. I was a, I was a, a stick thin, and I had a lot of friends. So now what? Total, <laughs> total fucking three sixty from middle school. But um, I think I already have that name registered. But maybe I can just do my full name. That's kind of dangerous, though. I don't know. I'll figure it out. I'll figure out that thing. But I, I all that to say, I've been wanting to get back on Facebook strictly to reconnect with people. And, like, people be meeting their husbands and stuff on there and their wives and stuff on there. So, it's hoes on there. I didn't know it was hoes on Facebook. Um, Instagram, Twitter, you're dead to me. You're tired. It's boring. Like, it's the same. It's on a loop. I really, at this point, feel like we're in a karmic relationship with social media. And some people are choosing to stay in it and some people are choosing to get off and jump off the boat. I'm one of the niggas who's jumping overboard. I just don't like where it's taking us. I don't like the fact that... Um, I don't like the fact that now I can tell that tw- like Jack Dorsey, bless his soul, no, you know, nothing personal against him, but I just, the I think there's something to be said about being, being with something or someone from their inception or from its inception, because things will never be the same again. Word to Drake. Things will never be the same again. And wanting things to be the same, it makes you feel guilty. And it makes the people you're dealing with, like, angry. It's irritating. Like, you you know, we irritating type T's. Because we want Twitter to be what it once was. But certain people don't. Because for certain people, like, perfect example, a dark-skinned woman doesn't want Twitter to be the way it was back in the day. A gay person doesn't want Twitter to be the way it was back in the day. A trans person definitely doesn't want Twitter to be the way it is now, yet alone the way it was back in 10 years ago. But for me, I had an extremely pleasant experience because 
I wasn't, I was following, you know, like the scene people, like I was talking to like my favorite artists and it was, it was a really good experience for me. I was getting hoes off there. I actually met people that I would still call my acquaintances today, strictly off Twitter. I made a lot of friends on Twitter. Um, and that's, I guess, because the group of people that I was tweeting with were like, you know, alternative artists, punks, weirdos. And there's always, like, I would say no matter how conservative the alternative group <laughs> you're in is, even if there are not a whole bunch of gay people and trans people and, let's say, dark-skinned women around, I never heard my homeboys, even the worst of the, the people I know, like, I never heard them sitting around talking about underprivileged and marginalized people because us ourselves as weirdos have felt marginalized. You feel what I'm saying? I think now as we've gotten older, we've all kind of, we all of us have our bigot views on stuff. Even the marginalized people have bigot views on stuff. Because to be honest with you, I'm tired of hearing home. I'm tired of hearing. I was about to say homosexual. Ooh, I've been in Atlanta too long. I'm tired of hearing gay people talk about how miserable straight people are. The same way straight people talk about how miserable gay people are. Like, we get it. Y'all don't like each other. So, like, bigotry sees no bounds. I'm sure there are trans people who are racist. The same way I'm sure there are racist people who are trans. You know, you feel what I'm saying? So, it's just like the virtue signaling. That's a whole nother situation, though. um, Because I'm going to... I don't, I don't understand why I'm being added to this chat for work. But that's a whole nother thing because I'm going to do a podcast on virtue signaling because I'm tired of it. That's another thing that's really tired. And I, I think it's ironic that I'm talking about two tired things that walk in this, walk into the sunset every night after burning down everyone's conscience at night. Twitter and virtue signaling and Instagram and fucking selling your soul. It's like these super duper duper amplified extremes because... These social media geniuses have created vacuums in which not only they can create, not only is it like a money box, like where the money is found around, you just reach out and catch some money, but it's also a social vacuum where it's, it's seen as terroristic to have a difference in opinion. People will call you every phobic in the book if you decide that you do not agree. And I think that, I think that's kind of, it's not fair. It's not fair. Um, And I don't want to be a part of lynch mobs. Because at the end of the day, like, I think me being someone who is in school to be a social scientist and I would love to get into politics and economy and therapy and, I mean, anything dealing with the human interaction with the world, I would love to get into it. Being someone who's in that modality of life where we learn about people as people, we don't put good and bad on horrific situations seemingly. Like, things are the way they are. I'm super objective, maybe too much so, to where I'm lacking on the empathy piece. But at the end of the day, what I find is the empathy that we get in social media is really sympathy. Sympathy is not good for shit. I can't do nothing with you telling, oh, my damn, that sucks. Nigga, you could have kept that to yourself. I know it sucks. I knew it sucked before I fucking said it. I was telling you because I wanted to. I wanted you to share my sucky feelings with me, which is empathy. But a lot of times, all you're getting is sympathy. When everybody on Instagram put a, a put a black picture as their background for Black Lives Matter, that was not empathy. That was sympathy. 
Sympathy has not changed racism. White people have been feeling bad about being racist since since slavery, bro. Sympathy is not changing anything. There's always been one straight one straight person who felt bad for all the gay people. That has not changed anything. Sympathy doesn't really change anything. And to be honest with you, most if you're living in a white supremacist society and you spend most of your time on social media, I'm almost positive that you're not as empathetic as you think you are. I'm almost fucking positive that you're not nearly as empathetic as you think you are because there's not that much empathy going and circling around social media on the internet right now. Most of it is hate fueled by your empathy for someone else, which canceled it out. It's just hateful. So I, I really, it's like, that's, that's, to be honest with you, probably my second biggest issue with social media right now. My first biggest issue I would say is, um, how mental how the, the mental health component my mental health has gotten exponentially better since i haven't been on social media like when i'm saying exponential like i'm not talking about 10 percent, 20 percent. i'm talking about a whole 50 60 percent like i i would say a 280 uh, degree turn not 360 maybe not even 280 that might be pushing it um because i would say 280 or 360 is when you can maintain your mental health and you can use social media for whatever for whatever you see fit but I would say about a 200, 250 degree turn. Um, and a large part of that is therapy. But I think I think doing therapy and being on social media 15 hours out the day is oxymoronic. Um, because you're, you're kind of, you're not giving yourself the opportunity to think for yourself. Because you have to think about it. Twitter started as a think tank, which I don't know if many people know that. But Twitter started as a think tank. Instagram started out as a place to share your thoughts and to share your, not not necessarily share your thoughts, but to share your life with your friends. Facebook is the same. Sharing is connectivity. Connectivity is, is being receptive and being open. If you are in a mood to connect 16 hours out of a 24-hour day, and let's say you have trauma and healing you need to do, and you're only spending one hour out of that, out of those hundreds of hours that are in a week doing therapy, you're kind of undoing a lot of these new thought processes and these new um, impressions that you're getting from you yourself and your therapist because you're spending a, you're spending majority of your time connected to other people's thoughts in life. So for me, it's like it would have been extremely hard for me to get to get the the therapeutic results that I'm getting right now if I was on social media as as much as I was before. And I've never been someone who just sat on social media. I've never been that girl. Cause I, I love mystery. I like I like keeping an air of mystery around me. So I've always been someone who has like, uh, uh, bless the West Indians' hearts. I believe in that old West Indian wise tale. I should not have my face in no pictures on the internet, unless they moving and I'm talking. But as far as me having like pictures of my face in my TwitCon, I've never really been that girl either. And then too, I don't think them TwitCon dimensions are made for Black women, like especially Black women like me who. Got have like large jaw bones. Like I have full lips. Um, I have really big. They're not big eyes as in bulging out, but I have big eyes in the sense that like they're big in size. Even like they're, I can't explain. But um, yeah. I just it was just never it was never lit lit for me like that. And to be honest with you, I just was never sold on it. I was just never sold on people being all up and like, what are you what are you, what are you thinking? Or what are you doing? None of your fucking business. But that's just my prerogative. That's my attitude in general. So 
I don't think I was ever spending a whole, whole, whole bunch of time on there. But it did get to a point where it wasn't so much about the time I was spending. It was about the quality of the time I was spending. And majority of the time I was spending on social media, it, I was spending comparing my life to other people's. Like, legit, when I think of the, when I think of the, um, the self-talk that I had back then, I think of the things that I was saying to myself it was really nasty things I'm saying to myself. Meanwhile, like, I travel internationally. I'm an honor student. I'm working. I have a boyfriend. Like, I'm living this amazing life. And I, to be honest with you, couldn't, I didn't appreciate it as much as I would have now. Because I was so hell-bent on comparing myself to what other people are doing. And you're always going to fall short because the, the comparisons that we have of other people are not rooted in any reality. Unless it's your best friend. And even then, I'm almost positive there's some things that your best friend is lying to you about. It's some things they're trying to one-up you on. And there's some things they're not telling you. But that would be the only people would be like your close, your closest group of friends. The people you talk to the most. Maybe you could use them as a measuring stick in a healthy way. Because I think you have enough information to do so. But majority of the time when we're talking about in this social media capsule environment... That is the, it's one of the most dangerous things that you can ever do. It's literally the most dangerous thing that you can ever do because you are taking a very carefully curated image most of the time. Cause once you're talking about social media influencers, who is, who, who are the people that most of us are measuring ourselves up against because they have all the social proof. And in this society, social proof means money and capital or it did. I don't know if clout is still capital now. I think it. I think that the that there's going to be a return of that coming just because we're entering into a recession. If you didn't know, now you know, nigga. Um, we're entering into a recession. You know, people don't have jobs, so people are going to get more creative. So I can see clout becoming capital again, especially, especially for these famous motherfuckers. Absolutely, because. As much as things will open back up, I believe for sure, definitely. I think I, I do think that artists are going to start touring at the end of this year. I would really even say summer on. I think artists are going to start touring because from what I've even been seeing on social media, because um, I'm, I'm going to tell you right now, I really only watch podcasts and drag queens. Sorry, when it comes to YouTube and like educational shit, history shit and food shit. Um. But the, I've even haven't even been heavy on the food shit on YouTube because I'm done cooking. I'm done being in the kitchen. I don't want I don't want to be remembered as a black woman who can cook. Sorry, that's my radical black feminism coming out. But fuck that shit. Like, I I I think it's cute now when bitches be like they don't cook. That shit cute. Um, I'm being facetious, but yeah, I, I'm just been tired of cooking. I've been cooking seriously like as a passion since I was in middle school. It's just tired now. Like, I think I'm ending a ten year cycle. But let me let me get back on point. Um, what was I? Ta- what was I talking about? Oh my god! Oh, I was talking about clout for currency and people performing and stuff like that. I do think that people. I do think that um, the average. You know, and I say the average. I mean the indie, the independent artists like the Brent Fiazes and stuff like that, and the Earl Sweatshirts and um, a lot of like the summer, like the Summer Walk. Well, Summer Walker maybe not because she had a really good album come out during quarantine. So she might be a bigger artist than she was before, but I know there are a lot of artists who, 
I don't like, I don't, I hate the English language because you could be saying something that you want to be objective, but the words you have to use are so negative. Please brace with me, but I don't like, I, I do think that some artists lost a lot of their momentum during quarantine because they probably didn't have much to begin with. They were just kind of riding the wave of always being able to be out and be taken pictured of and to be seen and connecting with other people. Um, I think those are the artists who will probably start performing first. And I think the artists who recently dropped some within this past year are going to be hitting the road. Um, Texas is going to be like, why, why, why open or if they're not already, I think March 21st. Um, Florida is, I don't know if they're still wearing masks, but they're pretty much open, but not wide open. I think because Florida doesn't like being a butt of our jokes. And I'm not going to say R because I've lived in Florida. I like Floridians. I do think they're a little quirky, but Florida is one of them places you can go and you, Florida's like Las Vegas. You, like, you can go and you don't have to worry about people looking at you like you're crazy because everyone here is crazy. Something is wrong with everyone here. We're all here because something's wrong with us. Florida is one of those places. I, that's why I love Florida. And I think West Palm Beach is one of the prettiest beaches on the planet, in my opinion. Um, but yeah, so I see a lot of artists kind of, I, given it, we're talking about social media, I do not think a lot of these artists did that, did, did the best job through quarantine with social media. It seemed like everyone is trying to get a Fenty ambassadorship and she must, Reed must be handing out money. Um, she must, she must be handing out bags or something or something about having being a part of that algorithm must benefit celebrities or benefit influencers. But like, it seemed like everybody's was, everybody was modeling Savage Fenty. And I'm like, well, and, and like trying to get on tiny desk. I, that's one thing I do not like about, <clears throat> I ain't even going to say this new generation artist. Cause I think this is just the artist thing in general, but I will say that, you know what it is? I don't like, I don't like this about artists who think that they're not well they think they're a-list or they think that their popularity it makes puts them on another level i don't like how they all move in packs they all do the same circuit a lot of that probably has to do with the fact that the bigger artists are going to be signed to the same two major labels which means they have the same management groups which means they have the same pr and ars like i get it but it's like can y'all I just feel like the art industry and the entertainment industry is getting so lazy. And y'all are the only ones who've been making money through the quarantine, to be honest with you. I just hate that. I hate how lazy they're getting. I hate it. And I think social media has a lot to do with that. Because I think most... Uh, uh, well, yeah, I'm going to say it. I'm just going to say it. I think most of these artists nowadays are just money grabbers. They're good business people. They're great business people. And a lot of them fit societal beauty standards. No shade, you know... A lot of them are just cute, popular people. And I would say who are stylish, but most of them dress like Puerto Ricans. So I'm not even going to say they're stylish. Like, I don't know. I, I, I don't know what's going on, but social media has become more of a crutch to artists than it has been a help. I think there was... I think it's hard to see how detrimental something is to your future when in the present it is so beneficial. I think... <clears throat> I do not think that the average artist, and this is when I'm getting off the famous artist. I don't think the average artist has, um, I don't think the average artist has been able to exploit Instagram and Twitter the way that the more business savvy artist has. And that's not, a, that's not a good thing or a bad thing. It just is the way it is because the same way that 
the most bit the more business savvy artists can capitalize off Twitter. They might not keep getting work in this new world we're living in, you know, with a lot of the social media changes. Like everyone is moving towards a subscription. I knew Twitter was moving towards a subscription. And as much as I kind of shitted on the idea at first, I think that if you are someone who you're someone who calls yourself a journalist, which a lot of these motherfuckers on Twitter say it is like the the I have so many problems. I have so many problems with the creative scene now and right right now at this very moment, but these past 10 years is like the end of a gold rush, you know what I'm saying? Like the final stages of artistic capitalism and like the artistic industry is kind of falling apart from the inside out and since everyone is so worried about paying their bills, which I can't shade them for, no one's really paying attention to the infrastructure they're leaving behind for younger artists and that to me I don't fuck with because the artists before us, they paid attention to that type of shit. Now, granted, music artists have their own sick world they live in, so I'm not talking about them. When I talk about artists, I I guess I am being shady. I'm usually never including music artists. Sorry. This these past 10, 20 years have 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 kind of sullied the name of a lot of, of the music industry in my opinion. It seems like they're pumping out more pedophiles than 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 number one hits. Like, who was the last platinum-selling artist that we've got? Was it Justin Bieber? You know what I'm saying? So it's like, I'm not talking about music artists. I don't really care about what they're doing. A lot of them have kind of, like, fucked off and wasted away their money. Um, They sign shitty deals, and they like to make everyone think they're rich. Like, that whole scene is just horrible. But when I'm talking about artists, I'm used... To be honest with you, I'm talking about writers and graphic artists most of the time, and directors, um, actors... I don't think that, I think everyone has kind of just abandoned the things that I guess that you could say that you learn about, um, like abandoned the things I guess that you could say that you learn about in acting school or you learn about in art school. And it's just, it's, it's kind of just like going the social media route, which is just, it's really weird to watch. It's been very weird to watch these past 10 years. Like it's just, the the whole thing is just bad, but kind of going back to what I was saying about um, the performing in a concert. I don't know how we keep getting back here. I guess that's because I'm not finishing what I'm doing. Um, but as I keep talking, thinking about like, I'm just thinking, I'm like, so what are people going to do when they realize that? I don't think anyone, I'm not going to say I don't think anyone, but I don't necessarily think that people are going to feel comfortable just jumping right back into concerts. And every time I bring that up, people are like, well, they're doing them overseas. And I'm just like, what y'all feel to realize is outside of, I can't even really say South Korea because they nipped that shit in the bud pretty quick. Outside of China and America and the UK, everyone else handled COVID pretty well. Their cases were under 100 people. Like, I think in... Where is it? In in the Bahamas, only three people died. I think in Africa, only 10 or 15 people died. Like, we have to understand that as as Americans, we don't reflect the the status of the world. We really don't. And so when you can't compare us to Taiwan and Thailand, where Taiwan, I think, too, they had, I think, 13 cases or something like really crazy and low. So they just stayed on lockdown for six weeks and they now they don't have to worry about COVID. And then also too, Taiwan is not a place where a lot of people from America, a lot of people from China do go there, but I think they immediately closed their borders to Chinese people because there are a lot of Chinese people who live in Taiwan and they probably saw that coming. Um, but yeah, I just, I just think that we've, 
we've relied too much on social media. And I think that there is no coincidence that with COVID, social media became stronger, it became wealthier, and it became more powerful. I think that is something that we definitely should look at. And we definitely should start looking at the links between the two. And for me, I'm starting to just ask myself, why is it that I feel I have to be connected to a whole bunch of people I don't know? Evolutionarily, we only need to really be connected and in tune with people who present a danger to us. I really shouldn't have to give a fuck what you think over in Utah about my feelings on capitalism or my feelings on white supremacy. And I think introducing the idea that we have to care about care about what other people think as part of our survival, like you can get canceled and never make any like never make money again. You can say something online and someone call your boss and you get fired and now you can't pay your rent two months down the road. Integrating other people's thoughts on social media that you don't even know with our livelihoods is extremely dangerous. And I kind of just wanted to nip that in the bud as quickly as possible before it truly became an evolutionary trait of mine. Because I do think that unless we start to be more conscious of how we're using social media, it will become an evolutionary trait for you to be liked online. And we end up living in like a Black Mirror episode where you walking around worried about how people are rating you at every turn, every interaction. Um, That's why I try to stay away from rating systems as well. Like, I don't rate restaurants on Yelp only because... Unless it's unless it's a truly horrible experience, like my experience at Del Fresco's, I should have left a rating. Like it was horrible. It cost too much money. I should have said something. But in general, I'm not necessarily um, looking to rate or have someone on a rating scale only because I don't necessarily know if I'm open to being rated. Like in my mind, if I were to open a restaurant, I wouldn't want to be on Yelp because I don't really give a fuck what you think. I don't care what people who don't like my shit think. And people who like your stuff usually don't have any problem telling you so. But just having this fourth wall, this fourth layer, like this fourth dimension that people can kind of hide behind and have really, really strong and sometimes hurtful, chaotic, life-altering opinions about you is dangerous. Um, I don't like how... um, I don't like how people dissect stuff on... I'm going to say this. I actually logged on to Instagram today. Girl, it was so tired. It was so tired. I was like, this is this is the app like this is the app I've been using for 10 years. This is it. All these new it just the it, the va va voom, the excitement. Like you know how when you're in the like when you're in the social media paradigm, like you get excited logging on, like your heart start racing. It's like getting a hit of crack or something. That it's gone. I'm no longer an Instagram crackhead. Like, I just was not excited. I did not, I didn't want to go through people's stories. I, of course, I clicked on my homegirl stories because I just hadn't seen them in a long time. But, like, I wasn't interested in, I wasn't interested in looking at their stories. Like, I saw my homegirl, she looked pretty, but it didn't do that same thing as when you see a pretty picture, it brings up the jealousy and the excitement. Like, it just, the chemical um, response, the addictive, like, I guess I just kicked the addiction go figure but the chemical response is just not there anymore um i haven't been on twitter but to be honest with you i had kind of i've never been i just never have been a tw- a twitter person like even though i've i there was a time where i had a couple hundred followers on there even then i still was just not 
tweeting. Like I was not a Twitter person. So, um, I don't, there's just nothing, there's nothing there for me. There's nothing, there's just nothing there. Um, the last time I went on there, it was to look up, um, this girl who I knew was pregnant during COVID. I went on her Twitter to just make sure that she had her baby. And I don't even know, I don't know sis. And that, that was creepy to me. I was like, I don't know this girl. Why do I care about her and her baby? That was just weird. Um, but yeah, that was the last time I went on Twitter and I just don't see it for sis. Um, and then two, what I can say is I do like getting screen grabs from Twitter. Like I like when I'm on discord and like one of the homies drops something in there and it's from, and you just, I can just look at the link and look at the replies, get my giggles and go. Like I do like that. And I don't think, I, I don't think that you can get that same effect on Instagram because like we weren't trained quote unquote, on Instagram to care about the words, we're trained to care about the pictures and we're trained to care about seeing what people are doing, seeing where people at, like the location and selling stuff. You know what I'm saying? Their branding has been different. Their marketing has been different. But Twitter, I like seeing tweets. I like seeing funny tweets and memes. And of course, and and even thinking about memes, like memes haven't been hitting like they used to. It's just crazy how when you exit that world, you realize it's a world. Because before... When I was not on social media that much, but I was on there enough, I didn't realize that it it had its own psychological impact. It had its own negative effects. It had its own positive effects. And I think they have, um, what's the word? I'm bamboozled, led astray, <laughs> lied to, bamboozled, led astray. A convinced is not the right word, but it's a synonym for what I'm trying to say. But convinced, it's like a synonym for convinced, but uh, influenced. I would say convinced, actually. They've convinced us that you have to be on social media to make money. Because every time I talk to someone who is like disgruntled about social media, they always are like the first thing that they say in response. Like once I'm like, just I'm like, well, you know, I'm not on there. They're like, but I got to be on there to, to, to run my business. I got to be on there to make money. And that's not just coming from one person. That comes from most people I know who have no, like they just have no desire to be on there. They feel like they have to be to run their business. And there's some truth in that. There's someone got to be on there to run your business. You know, thank God. I've always been open about and upfront about the fact that social media is just not my gig. Um, so usually when I'm in some type of business agreement, I just, I have to pass off that responsibility to someone else. And um, that was one of the issues in my first podcast that I started was just, you know, my homegirl felt like she was doing a lot of the work because she was doing a lot of the marketing and branding. And I can't even, I don't know how much work that is because I don't do it. <laughs> um, but in my mind, it didn't seem like a big deal because she's one of those, also one of those people who sits on Twitter and, you know, is, 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 you know, engaged in Instagram and stuff like that. So I'm thinking in my mind, like you on there, you might as well do it, which might've been a little inconsiderate. But on the flip side, don't nobody want me running a social media account unless it's some writing shit. If it's somewhere I can write, I got to write like a little quirky one or two liner, I can definitely do that. But as far as um, marketing and branding, I don't think, I, I will say this. I do think marketing and branding is is one of my callings. I think that if I were to be on someone's marketing and branding team, not behind social media, but just filtering through ideas and making sure they don't say this and making sure they don't do that and keeping this person away from this person. I could definitely do that. So I won't say it's not my ministry. Um, 
because marketing and branding is just consumer psychology. And I, in the past, I've been really good at predicting trends and things like that. And it's statistics too. But as far as social media marketing and branding, I see why they have whole degrees for that now. Like I see why there is a three-year degree course that you can go through and get a degree in that because it is its own animal. Like it is not the same as regular marketing. It's its own thing because there is a specific marketing for social media and for the people who are drawn to social media and beyond the social dilemma, I would just start doing more research. Um, if you're listening and you're wondering, I would just start doing more research on um, the effects it will have for your personality type. Because I think there are some people who strive and thrive on social media. And I think it because it feeds their personality type. And that's not to say they like it's a personality disorder or it's a bad personality trait. But I think that if you are a... You're someone who revels in shallow connections. Um, you like having a lot of shallow connections and you and you're someone who's constantly seeking validation, so you're willing to keep pushing the needle. I think social media works for you, and that's not a bad thing because there's a place for everybody. But I think everyone thinking that that's their place is what's dangerous because then you're tweaking people's psychology, you're taking them off their path and and everyone's wondering. Why everybody want to be a rapper? Why everybody want to be a model? Because they seem like they're the only people fucking making money right now. And let's say you are a nice looking doctor and you you do the lifestyle thing. They're still going to find some way to celebrify you. You you can't necessarily be yourself. Like I don't think of Tabitha Brown. I don't know where she came from. And people think she's very endearing and seem... <laughs> Bob the drag queen say she think he thinks she got a speech impediment. I do too. People, it's it's weird what people what people are entertained by. I'm going to say that. But they found a way to make her a celebrity based off the fact people just like her voice. And people think she's really calming and soothing. And they like the fact that she's a vegan and she's an accessible vegan. And so it's it's... Some in some ways, I feel like social media illegitimizes you as a person. And you sacrifice that to be legitimized by a blue check or to be legitimized by brands. And I think for people who are very Neptunian, who are very prone to being like this uh, mirror for everyone to re- to reflect upon, people who maybe don't are not a core person soul wise, but they have a personality they can sell. I think that works for them. But I think the average healthy person who goes into that um, and then they let's say they get thrown away or they're not getting the same amount of endorsements or deals. Those are like those are the those end up being the women who keep, keep, keep adding on to the BBLs, keep bringing in this, who keep bringing in the waist, who, you know, keep adding on to their face and making their cheeks and their lips bigger. That those types of things are a symptom of people losing a grasp on this reality that was never real to begin with. As opposed to a celebrity who, in this reality or the or the next, was going to have a mob of people running after them. I don't think they're as phased. But I do think that people who have star power but couldn't find a way to tap into it because they didn't have the team, they didn't have the resources. When they find that star power online, I find that they don't do that well either. Um, all of this is to say that know yourself, know your worth, nigga. And, like, really, like... Not even do your Google, do your research, like do your cognitive research with your therapist, your psychiatrist, your teachers, your family, with your friends. 
do your research and really find out what type of person you are and and think to yourself and do some soul searching and realize, is social media helping me or is it harming me? Am I being productive when I'm on here? Because if all you're doing is laughing and kikiing and, you know, men, you know, tugging on your dick when you on Instagram or Twitter, there's literally zero productivity in that. The only time that that type of stuff is productive is when you're spending the other 10 hours of your day that, that should be doing something productive, doing something productive. But even then, I just... And I don't and I don't like to be the productivity police because I do think that there's a part of me that's on the opposite of the extreme where everything has to be productive and that causes my own problems. So there's a balance. But what I find is somehow they've created it well, not somehow, they made apps that they put on phones. Um they've made it so you could actually be spending time with your friends doing something that you think is constructive and fun and you still are on social media. So I guess it's just a matter of weighing the pros and cons and asking yourself, do you want, do you want for this need to be connect these shallow connections and these really harsh and sometimes most of the time toxic opinions? Do you want that to be integrated into your evolutionary complex or do you want to start doing the work now to reverse what they've already done? And then also to propel yourself and put yourself genetically and psychologically in the place where you don't need to be affirmed, nor do you need to be connected to people who you know don't matter to you. Because in the end, it's all a validation grab. And we are all seeking validation on some level because that's what that's what allows us to know that we're alive, that we're doing something right, that we're doing something wrong. So it's, there's not to get completely get away from that. And I don't think there's anything wrong because I'm, I mean, I was quick, but like when I got my hair straightened for the first time in a long time, I, I did post a picture in my Instagram story. But that was like three weeks ago, and I didn't get back on there. And I think from what I saw, my Instagram story is not popping up in people's um, story lineup no more because I haven't been on there that long. Because you know, you know how the algorithm works. You don't use it, it don't use you. Um, so I'm. Then I, I, when I like when I go to LA for my birthday, like if I get one or two looks off, I damn sure will post them on somebody's social media. Or I post them in a Discord or something because there's nothing wrong with doing a good job or looking good or feeling good and asking other people, don't I look good? Don't I feel good? Don't don't I seem like my energy's super bright? Because that's, that's just affirming. It's the way that the universe can affirm you. But I think that when you're asking for affirmation before you do anything, which my generation is infamous for, is asking for affirmation on being this, this, and the third. Baby, you've been sculpting for two years and you want us to act like you Vincent Van Gogh, that type of shit. That's where the danger lies because it's very, it's like living in a constant state of delusion. And unless we all plan to have jobs in social media and marketing and advertising in the next 10 years, what are we doing? And then too, I think it can be more, I think it's always more fun when you're not sitting, when you're not sitting posted up somewhere. You know what I'm saying? Because too much of anything, too much of a good thing or a bad thing just is, I mean, going send the whole situation and shit anyway. But, yeah, I think that's really all that I want to talk about today. I'm going to try to come back 
Um, I really, to be honest with you, want to start dropping a podcast like every day, like on my bullshit until I get my job situation squared away because my job situation is not ideal right now. But I think that'll probably be the next podcast I talk about is just like millennials and working and finding our place in the world because I think that's really important, especially like psychologically and spiritually. But I hope you guys enjoyed my podcast and um, have a blessed day. Know yourself, know your worth. Um, love your friends, love your family, love yourself first and foremost, and please go get therapy.